Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, December 1st, 2019. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a few weeks ago on Apple News, I read this article with the title, Watching Christmas Films is Good for You According to Experts. Uh, The hormone dopamine, it said, is released when we uh, watch some of these favorite classics, which in turn could help us live longer and healthier. Psychologist Dr. Joe Joe Gee states that when we watch enjoyable films, like the ones that come up every year at Christmas time, it causes our brains to release both dopamine and oxytocin. Those are considered feel-good hormones. Increased levels of oxytocin, which they also call the cuddle hormone, uh, can be measured in our blood and then help decrease stress and tension in our lives, leading to uh, a boost in our immunities. I just know that I love watching Christmas films, and I'm guessing there's probably a few of you uh, who share that uh, fondness with me as well. So this year, I'm reviving a series that I did back in 2017 called Christmas, the Director's Cut. And uh, each week during the month of of December, we'll be looking at a different Hollywood film, five in total. uh, And we're trying to see where we can find elements of the true Christmas story within those Hollywood films. We're in the season of Advent, as I shared with the children, the four weeks of preparation leading up to Christmas. And each week we'll be examining a different aspect of the original Christmas story and seeing how it connects with our film for the day. So we're going to start the Advent series off on a modern classic, The Polar Express. It's based off an adaptation of Chris Van Alsberg's 1985 children's book by the same title. The film made history in in which it was, in 2004, the first all-digital capture film. Now, In 2019, it looks very outdated uh, to us, but back in the day, it was cutting edge. It stars the many voices and personas of Tom Hanks, some of which you'll see in just a moment. The film begins on Christmas Eve in the bedroom of an unnamed boy who's desperately listening for the sound of Santa's sleigh bells. He thinks he hears something, but sneaks downstairs and discovers nothing has changed in his living room. He hears his dad putting his little sister to bed, so he goes back to his room and pretends to be sleeping. His parents come in and kiss him goodnight, commenting on how he used to stay up all night waiting for Santa. The boys jolted awake at 11.55 p.m., feeling the house shaking uncontrollably, and the sound of a train and a bright light comes flooding through his bedroom window, so he puts on his bathrobe, scrambles downstairs, and heads outside to see what has just pulled up in front of his house. It's a train, unlike any he's ever seen, uh, not to mention the fact that there are no train tracks that run in front of his house. The markings on the train say the Polar Express, and as we watch this first encounter with the conductor, we begin to understand why this train might be crucial for this young boy. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to play the audio versions of the video clips that we showed in worship. Our scripture reading for this first Sunday in Advent comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's a story of a priest named Zechariah, who was married to a woman named Elizabeth, uh, who was also from a priestly clan. And we're going to begin our reading from verse 6. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. 
but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. So the author tells us that both Zechariah and Elizabeth are faithful and righteous, but there's a problem. They have no children. Now, the reason that's a problem is back in biblical days, infertility was seen by many as punishment by God for some undisclosed sin. So the narrator is filling us in on this dilemma here. They're righteous and childless, which is quite the conundrum. Now, it might also cause us to think about a few others who fit that bill from scriptures, Sarah, Rachel, Hannah, Manoah's wife, all four who were eventually blessed to have children of their own, Isaac, Joseph, Samuel, and Samson, respectively. So when we discover that they're getting on in years, which is, again, another allusion to uh, Abraham and Sarah, the alert reader is primed for something special that's about to take place. Speaking of something special about to take place, back in our movie, uh, once on board, the boy discovers that this particular train car is filled with children all like him. In their pajamas, incredibly excited, the conductor comes by and asks for the boy's ticket, which magically appears inside his uh, uh, bathrobe pocket. And after punching some cryptic letters on it, he moves on to punch the tickets of the rest of the children. Well, a few minutes later, the train makes an unexpected stop on the other side of the tracks. It's another young boy, but one who's obviously much poorer than the rest on board. And when faced with the same uh, opportunity that our hero had, he also initially declines to get on board the Polar Express. But as the train pulls away, he decides he does want to get on board and begins running after it, but he trips and falls and misses the train. Well, our hero's been watching this whole time from the window, and seeing a kindred spirit, he goes and pulls the emergency brake on the train to allow for the boy to climb on board. The conductor's anger over the brake being pulled uh, abates when he realizes the reason why our hero did what he did. There's this wonderful refreshment scene which follows with singing and dancing waiters distribute hot chocolate to the kids, and it's a fun moment of song and merriment, and everyone gets a hot drink on a cold night. When the waiters leave, one of the girls takes out her chocolate to the late arriving boy who's been sitting by himself back in the caboose. And her selfless act is honored by the conductor who takes her back to the boy himself. And as they exit the car, our hero discovers that the girl left her ticket on the seat and it never got punched by the conductor. But when he tries moving between the two cars, a strong wind rips the ticket out of his hands and it blows away much to the boy's shock. When she returns, the conductor asks for her ticket. Of course, she doesn't have it. He apologizes for not punching it earlier. Our hero admits that he inadvertently lost the ticket and offers his to hers, but the tickets are non-refundable, says the conductor, and he escorts the girl out of the car. But notice what's up in the top left corner. Sticking in the air vent is a ticket. In fact, it's the young lady's ticket, which has taken this curious route out in the wind and blow through all kinds of places and eventually made it back on the train. Well, the main character sees it, and he quickly moves to track down the girl and return her ticket. He follows them up onto the top of the Polar Express, being very uh, careful to hold on to it this time. And as he gets up onto the top, it's all he can do uh, to make out the scene there we go, Uh, of the light of them moving ahead. And that's when this happens. 
So here we get more of an understanding of the little boy's dilemma. He wants to believe, but, well, you know. I think this is something that many people can relate to when it comes to the subject of God. Many want to believe in God, but they're also not sure, and they don't want to be, shall we say, bamboozled, which especially makes sense uh, for the holiday season uh, of Christmas is a challenging one for some. Now, the hobo is an interesting character. He appears all throughout the film, usually popping up when you least expect him. And you're never quite sure, is he a good guy or a not-so-good guy? Uh, As I've watched the film numerous times, I've come to see him as a divine messenger, someone who helps push a situation towards a positive conclusion. And uh, again, though, we're not always sure of it at the time that we meet him in the story. Now, there's another connection to divine messengers in our Bible reading today, but first let's spend a little time talking about Zechariah's particular role in the story. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now, according to the Mishnah, which is a collection of traditions from the early rabbis, it was put together around the 2nd century A.D., There were so many priests eligible to serve in the temple that they had to be divided in sections. And each uh, section of priests rotated into Jerusalem for one week at a time, two weeks total in the year. So if they only had 14 actual days of serving in the temple, there were two uh, worship services there per day. So there's 28 opportunities for one person to offer offer incense or, or perform the sacrifice Uh, in a priestly section. Now, the Mishnah says that within each section, priests who had never offered incense would then cast lots to see who would take turns. So you would only do it once in the course of your entire uh, ministry of being a priest. Well, on this day, at this particular service, Zechariah was chosen to be the one, uh, the one priest who went into the temple to offer the incense. Now, knowing that this was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you might say that Zechariah had been waiting about as long to be chosen for this opportunity as he had been for a child to be born. And there he was, this righteous, aging priest selected to administer one of the most holy of rituals in the temple, in the inner area of the temple, all by himself. Verse 11. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. The angel goes on to tell him that this child will be great in the sight of the Lord and will turn many people of Israel towards the Lord their God quite possibly one of the most uh, wonderful pre-pregnancy birth announcements in all of Scripture, uh, next, of course, to Mary, uh, being told that she is with child of the Savior. Well, if you had been in Zachariah's place, can you imagine how powerful an experience that encounter must have been in this most holy of places in all of Israel? And it literally was an answer to a long-awaited prayer that he and his wife had been praying, quite possibly, for decades. Back on the Polar Express, the mysterious hobo got the boy to the front of the plane train and it found the friend, the little girl, that he was looking for. She hadn't been thrown off the train at all. No, she was now getting to drive the engine. 
And a series of dramatic events takes place, including going through Flat Top Tunnel, uh, 100,000 caribou crossing the tracks, and a roller coaster ride down Glacier Gulch. Note the warning signs. Uh, the conductor, uh, the boy, and a formerly ticketless girl just so happened to be on the very front of the train during this crazy roller coaster ride. And they end up skidding across a, a flooded area of frozen ice. And just when it looks like they're going to be goners, a familiar face grabs the boy by the shirt and keeps them all from falling off. Though only our hero gets to see who it was that rescued them. Just for a moment, and then he's gone. Having made it through the harrowing experience, the conductor takes a moment to tell the kids about another close call that he once had. So there was Zachariah face to face with an honest to good angel of God, having been just told that his lifelong prayer has been answered, and how does he respond? Zachariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so, for I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. A uh, little tip, when the angel comes to visit you, don't question what the angel says. I mean, if, if you can't believe an angel telling you something, like what kind of proof do you need, right? And being a priest himself, he would have had to have known the stories of others that had been uh, getting on in years, like Abraham and Sarah, that uh, also was able to have a child late in life. But Zachariah's questioning and doubt has consequences. Verse 19 the angel replied, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. So we're going to translate it into uh, today's vernacular. He, he's basically saying, dude, I'm an angel. Like, that's how you should know. Uh, and Zechariah's punishment is no talking for the next nine months. And depending on who that is, that could be punishment. That could be a blessing, right? Uh, you never know. But think of it as another reminder that God works in mysterious ways. Meanwhile, on the Polar Express, the boy and the girl are being led back through the train by the conductor. They pass through an area of the train that houses forsaken and abandoned toys. And the, uh, the boy encounters a Scrooge marionette. The marionette reminds him that the two of them are quite alike. They're both doubters. By the way, guess who the puppeteer was? The hobo. He always helps propel the action in a favorable direction. Well, they make it to the front of the train. They get to witness the beautiful northern lights as they cross into the Arctic Circle, and they reach their final destination, the North Pole. The elves are making their way into the center of the city to see Santa give out the very first gift of Christmas, which is quite an amazing sight to see. The train stops, the kids disembark, all of them, that is, except the one boy, the, the last to get on the train. That's when our main characters, the boy and the girl, talk to the conductor. I think there's quite a few people that could speak the same words of that boy. Christmas just doesn't work out for me. And that adds to the uncertainty of this season for many. Well, the caboose is loose, so to speak, and hurtling down the tracks towards, uh, through the North Pole, despite the boy's attempt to stop it, until it finally comes to rest 
in a roundabout station. And although we don't have enough time this morning to talk about the various adventures that they discover along the way, they eventually make it back to Town Square via hot air balloon, riding inside of Santa's gigantic bag of toys, which gets loaded on the big man's sleigh. And they're they're just in time to see the entrance of the reindeer and their magical sleigh bells, which, as you're about to see, poses a problem for our hero as he realizes he's the only one that cannot hear the sound of the sleigh bells. And as you watch, pay attention to the lyrics of the song that the elves are singing. It'll be on the screen. Well, he doesn't have much time to feel sorry for himself as the entire town square starts to sing, Santa Claus is coming to town, and that's when he makes his entrance, like a rock star coming on stage. The crowd goes crazy, and the boy strains and strains, but he can't catch a glimpse of Santa. And all of a sudden, one of the reindeer's sleigh bells flies off the leash and rolls right to the foot of the boy. He picks it up, he places it to his ear, nothing. Only the quiet whispers of doubter, doubter. So, He does something quite expected. He unexpected. He closes his eyes. He holds the bell in front of him and says, I believe. I believe. And at that very moment, he's finally able to hear the sound of the bell when guess who steps up? The true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart, says Santa. Which brings me to ask this question. Do we believe in Christmas today? Now, it may seem like a silly question to ask in church, right? And I'm not asking, do we believe in Santa? I'm not even asking, do we believe that a baby was born in a manger some 2,000 years ago in a little town of Bethlehem? But I wonder if we truly believe that God can come anew into our hearts today. That no matter what we've experienced this past year, whether good or bad, in body, uh, mind, or soul, that God can break into our lives in a new way here and now. Because that's really the true spirit of Christmas. That's what happened to Zechariah, right? Despite having prayed for a son for who knows how many years, despite having an angel tell him face to face that it was a done deal, he still questioned and doubted that God could do a new thing in his not so spry body anymore. What about us? This Advent, can we move from the ranks of doubters into the core of believers who unquestionably trust that God can and will do a new thing in us? It was quite a gift for our young hero, that Christmas sleigh bell. He put it in his bathrobe pocket and watched as Santa and company took off into the night on Christmas Eve. And as the children boarded the Polar Express to return home, the conductor finished punching the tickets and each child got a word spelled out, something that each of them needed that night. Our hero's word was believe, of course. The kids wanted to see the sleigh bell that Santa had given him, but when he reached into his pocket, he discovered there was a hole and he had lost it. A tragic ending to an otherwise life-changing experience. And when the train pulled up back outside his home, he gives hugs and says goodbye and then walks out into the cold night. The next morning, he and his sister Sarah are having a grand time under the tree when they discover one last box that had been hidden It has his name on it, and as he opens it with a puzzling look, he wonders what it might be, and of course, it's that missing sleigh bell. With its amazing sound, just as he had remembered from the North Pole. His parents can't hear it, 
Only he and his little sister can. And here's the final scene of the film when the boy reflects on what that gift meant to him. Friends, once again, we've begun this journey to Christmas. It's a, it's a journey that'll take us through familiar territory, right? Decorating our trees, our houses, our office spaces, shopping at the mall or online, wrapping presents, throwing parties, attending others, singing carols, sending and receiving cards. But if we're not careful, December 25th is going to come and go, and we will basically be just the same. It's easy to do, you know, to get swept up with the activities of the holiday season, yet it doesn't have to be that way. If we can believe that God can come anew into our hearts and change us in ways that we might not even expect, if we can believe that the gift of Jesus is not just a gift that was given over 2,000 years ago, if we can believe that God wants to use us to make a difference, to change the Antelope Valley and the entire world, then we too will forever be able to hear the Christmas bell ring. Now, some of us may need to spend a little bit uh, more time in silence than others, like Zechariah did, but that can also be a gift from God as well. May this Advent be a time of new discoveries for each and every one of us. Amen. Amen.